0: Welcome to Safety Help with Tony Collins. Join him to learn how to improve workplace safety to be legally compliant, win more contracts and increase profits. Hi listeners and welcome back. This podcast is actually part of a series I have produced that explains how to set up your own safety system. The audio is taken from a video training course which is available for free from my website www.safetyhub.com. Dot .safetyhub.co.nz but you know i know some people like the podcast format which is probably you know why you're listening now but if you do prefer video or even want to buy the product that goes with the course it's all on the website and the details are there but let's get into this particular chapter right away employee participation you must ensure that your employees have every means to be involved in developing safe workplace practices. There are two reasons to do this. One is that your employees may encounter workplace situations every day and have some great ideas on how to fix them. We talked about that earlier under the hazard identification. And um and it's pretty obvious really these guys will probably know how to fix a problem, so get them involved. Secondly it's um it's such a an obvious good work practice that it's been written into the law and that you have to get your employees involved in some means and it's called an employee participation system. Now people say that the most successful health and safety management programs encourage employees to be actively involved and that is definitely true and if you put it another way if you do not involve your employees in a workplace safety system then in effect, you might as well put your whole system on the shelf and forget about it because it's not working and it's not going to work. Looking at the legal requirements in a bit more detail. So here, here we go. Under the Health and Safety Act, you are required to provide reasonable opportunities for your employees to be involved in a process that improves health and safety at work. This means you can develop your own process for communication and cooperation on health and safety. Okay, what does that mean? I've put the requirements of the Act into a simple flowchart, and we're going to work through this now. If you have more than 30 employees, or less than 30, but someone wants to have a system, then you, by law, need to have an employee participation system. Just looking at that point in a bit more detail, what if you have less than 30, but no one wants to have an employee participation system? Well, frankly, um, This is where you need to step up and kind of take a bit of leadership role within your business because at the end of the day, you want them to be involved because you want them helping to reduce workplace injuries and accidents, which is going to, you know, morally look after them ethically, financially as well, protect your equipment and your people, make sure your business is um, operating more effectively. And uh, why open yourself up to potential legal prosecution? So don't leave it to chance. If no one's going to volunteer, then what you're going to have to do is assign somebody or assign and make a mechanism anyway. So continuing through the flow chart, I'd recommend that you develop your own system. The main reason to do this is that when you're designing a system, you need to be in talking to your employees. okay? And that's the very thing you're trying to design in the first place. You're trying to design a system that allows you to communicate with your employees. So to me, it's logical that you might as well start off by talking to your employees, then you get off on the right foot. The other reason is that the default system can be quite restrictive as we shall see. Whether you're designing your own system or using the default scheme within the Act, we're gonna have to have a health and safety representative in the workplace. Obviously if you're self-employed that will be you, um, but you need to work with your employees and if applicable, their union to decide how to elect a health and safety rep. If you're using a default scheme, your employees must either, together with their unions, hold the election themselves for the number of reps needed or ask you to hold the election. Now if you're responsible for holding the election, you must do within, a f- within two months. The election must involve candidates who work often enough to be able to do the job and are willing to do it, uh, be held by a secret ballot, give all affected employees a reasonable opportunity to vote, and obviously be determined by the majority vote. The only time you don't need to hold an election is when there is only one candidate, they fill it automatically, or there are no candidates and the position is vacant. As I mentioned before, you know, if you are using the default scheme and no one volunteers and therefore no one's voted to be the health and safety rep, this is when you need to take some leadership and actually assign the job and responsibility and, and write it in the job description of some somebody within your workplace. What is the role of a health and safety rep? Well, obviously they're going to be the voice for the employees, but there are a number of duties that you need or may decide for them to uh, have to carry out. If you're using the default employee scheme, these duties include fostering positive management practices in the workplace, identifying hazards and discussing ways to manage them, and we covered this earlier in the hazard management chapters, consulting with inspectors on health and safety, promoting employees' interests, and promoting the interests of employees who have been injured or harmed at work, and carry out other agreed functions. If you're not going to use the default scheme and you're going to develop your own scheme, your duties for your health and safety rep may or may not include those duties I've already listed. You may decide that there are other duties that you want your health and safety rep to do. And this all goes back to the intent behind the Act, that it's that is that it's not prescription-based, it's performance-based, meaning... The performance is more important. So, if you have a, a healthy and safe workplace due to what focusing on what you consider important, well, you're meeting the intent behind the act. Um, if if you if you get it wrong though, you're opening yourself up to to prosecution. So, the important aspect of this is to make sure the duties that you've determined are going to ensure that your workplace is safe, and that includes. And that brings us on onto training for your health and safety rep. You are required to provide health and safety reps with a certain number of days leave each year to train in health and safety. And the number of days depends on how many employees you have as of 1st of April each year. The Act allows you to include in your employee participation system, that's if you are creating your own, an increase in or a limit to the maximum number of days paid leave for health and safety training. But the key question for you is, where do you get this training from? According to the Act, every employer must provide reasonable opportunities for the employer's employees to participate effectively in in ongoing processes for improvement of health and safety in their employees' places of work. Obviously, A health and safety rep needs some kind of training in order to be effective. And you can do this in a number of ways. If you're designing your own participation scheme, you can decide that training will be gained through formal tertiary qualifications, for example, from universities, attendance at seminars and conferences, short-term courses, reading books, researching on the internet through reputable health and safety government organisations around the world, and there are many of them. It could be from exposure and experience, including being mentored by internal or external consultants. Basically what I'm saying, you can decide on the best method for training for your health and safety rep within your business. If you don't develop your own employee participation in the system, then the act requires that you... Provide health and safety foundation training to your reps by using an approved provider. These are companies who have developed uh, short term courses to provide the foundation skills for your health and safety rep. Now, I've provided a hyperlink to these approved training providers, but the point is that while they are using the word approved, you are not restricted to use them for your health and safety training. Remember, the intent behind the training is to get your employees involved. And you may find some other more relevant training than what these training providers can provide you. As long as you have agreed on that with your employees, the union, um, that this is the best way forward for your health and safety rep, then make sure you document that and then go forward and, and go ahead and do it. Part of your employee participation is to have a health and safety committee. Now, they should obviously be made up of employers and employees and ideally should have um, five or six members, including a chairperson, so that everyone can contribute and be an equal mix of employer and employee reps. It's really important because you know, the employees bring something to the table, their knowledge of what's happening on the on the shop floor, if you like, and management have a different perspective. They may not be in touch with what's happening on the shop floor, but they understand the limit and resources and where the company is going and where their focus is uh, going to be down track. You know, Are they opening in a different site location? Is that going to bring a risk that they need to be aware of or that the employee on the shop floor is not aware of? And how can that dovetail into managing the bigger risk? Therefore, we want a good mix on your committee. The committee should meet at least quarterly, but more fr- frequently if you're initially being setting up, so that you can work through the significant hazards that you need to deal with, and then less frequently as you get into um, a management of your system. The committee's purpose is to improve health and safety conditions in the workplace by identifying potential health and safety problems and bringing them to your attention. There is no limit to what a health and safety committee can attempt or achieve. So why have a health and safety committee? Well, as a forum for considering health and safety issues, to reduce employee injuries and to improve employee health, and also as an opportunity for people in the business to pull their skills and experience in tackling health and safety issues. So what does the committee actually do? The work of a health and safety committee can vary, but its key role is to help stimulate awareness of safety issues and identify and control the workplace hazards. This involves meetings, meetings, and conducting workplace inspections regularly. The committee has four main focus areas, to identify potential hazards, to assess for significance, to implement controls, and then to follow up on implemented controls to ensure they are working. Once again, hazard management. In arranging the health and safety committee meetings, A meeting secretary should establish a date and circulate it out at least a week before the meeting. You know, it's even a good idea to have a a regular date, you know, the first Tuesday for every month, for example. And an agenda should be created for the meeting and circulated to everyone for input. And a person should be assigned to take minutes at the meeting. And if you don't have a secretary, just share the job somehow amongst the committee members. If you're unfamiliar with a meeting, the, the process to follow is the chairperson welcomes people to the meeting, asks for apologies and checks that everyone has a copy of the agenda and any other required documents. The committee reviews the minutes of the last meeting, going through each point and making sure all the issues have been resolved. If there are any outstanding issues, you need to record the reason and a new date set for completion. So the committee me- meetings are your opportunity to hold the company, the individuals, accountable for any actions or inactions. And it's obviously so critical to record these because it's a great way to manage it going forward and also for audit purposes and perhaps any investigation by the Department of Labor. The chairperson then introduces any new items and invites the person who brought it up to talk to that point. The committee reviews near-miss, property damage, injury data for the previous period, discuss investigation results and any recommendations for the future. Remember, we're looking for recommendations from an investigation. The committee then considers new issues raised through inspections or staff ideas and decides what to do on it. Now, the committee reviews educational material on-site and health and safety training. Are all certificates up to date? Are there any new courses, seminars or expos to attend? The committee discusses any new laws, regulations or guidelines that need to be incorporated into policies or work practices. For example, the cell phone change in the cell phone law recently. The committee checks whether any exceptional health and safety achievements have been made by staff members that need formal recognition. And then the chairperson closes the meeting thanks everyone for the attendance, and confirms the next meeting date. It doesn't finish there. We need to get the minutes signed off, and then we need to disseminate all the information to everybody within the company. And sometimes that means, you know, to be honest, not everyone is going to go through the minutes of a meeting. You need to repackage that content, Uh, in particular the decisions. So if you've decided as a health and safety committee on... Uh, a certain action around a a certain piece of equipment, then that person working on that equipment is gonna be interested. So take that knowledge to that person, repackage the content, make it interesting to them. This whole chapter has been about how to get your employees involved in health and safety. Now I've given you a whole bunch of different ideas, including the default ACT scheme, and different things you need to consider if you're going to create your own participation system. There's no right or wrong answer here, so I can't give you a definitive template. But here's the first piece of action you need to do: go and talk to your employees. Of course, you know, take a bunch of the tools that I've given you. The need to have a health and safety rep. How much training you're going to give them. Um, Health and Safety Committee meetings, how are they going to be structured? How do you want to communicate to the employees? How are they going to communicate to you? Remember, English may not be their primary language. Um, How are you going to break down the barriers? The cultural aspects of of reporting um, or lack of reporting within your company. This is all about getting your employees involved. So what you need to do right now is go and book a time to have a staff meeting. And let's get this critical element up and running and get your employees involved in workplace health and safety. This has been another episode on workplace safety by Tony Collins. For more tips, visit safetyhub.co.nz and join the free newsletter.